Am I on? I must not be. I didn't hear anything. Welcome. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I am excited about what we are going to be in today. We are going through the book of John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're in John chapter 6. You, might, you may rise for the reading of God's Word. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. John chapter 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Bible's here. Some more Bibles here on the right. We like not only to hear the Word of God, we like to see it. It gets imprinted onto our souls when we see it with our eyes. John chapter 6, verse 14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. They were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. And then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one that uh, the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone, However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they um, ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And then skip down, please, to verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, 
and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Father, that's a, that's a mouthful. I think of that psalm that says, where you say to us, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And, and Lord, you do that. You not only fill us, you give us understanding. We pray for that, Lord. Father, we, we came here. I, I think I can speak for everybody. We, we came here, Lord, not... It's a religious exercise, not so that we can just come and go and feel better about ourselves, but we came here to seek you, as we just sang all together, we came here to exalt you, to, meaning to, 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 to lift you up, to, to recognize and all of us agree at the same time, you are God. You are great. You are almighty El Shaddai. You are our provider, our healer, our deliverer. You are the bread of life. And Lord, I, I pray, just as the disciples received you into the boat, we invite you in. Open our eyes to you, Lord. We need you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to remind everybody that tonight at our evening service, 6.30, tonight we have a communion service at our evening communion service. We really have a, a different kind of time together. There's actually an open mic where people come and give testimonies of, of how the Lord has uh, has moved and acted in their life, and we have just a time of reflection and self-examination and worship to the Lord, a time to exercise gifts. That's tonight at 6.30 p.m. It's a wonderful time. Please come out. So John chapter 6 again. You know, before Jesus ever appeared in the flesh on planet earth, the prophet Isaiah, this is in the Old Testament, he's one of the prophets of Israel, you can find prophet Isaiah by going to about the middle of the Bible, then maybe a little to the right. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that when Jesus came on the scene, he would do certain things, and that, that people um, at the time that Jesus came would be able to clearly recognize that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, because of certain things he would do. Isaiah chapter 29, Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah chapter 61. They say that you will know the Messiah when you see these things. When you see the blind see, when you hear the lame, when you rather, when you see the uh, lame walk, when you see lepers cleansed, you'll know the Messiah is in your midst. When the deaf hear, when the dead are raised, when, when the poor, rather than being ignored, are, are being preached to, good news preached to them, you'll know the, the Son of God is among you. Now in the place that we pick up this morning, verse 14 of John chapter 6, here in the book of John, this has all begun to happen. Jesus is introducing himself, just as the prophet Isaiah said he would. Just heaven has come to earth and, 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 and just, just breaking out a breaking forth in, in miracles. This is what's happening. And in the previous chapter, John chapter 5, a man lame, unable to walk for 38 years. And at the word of Jesus, he's, he gets up, he starts walking. So all these people are seeing this. 
In verse 2 of chapter 6, it says, Then a great multitude followed Jesus because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So with this great multitude of people, this crowd of people following Jesus, right there, they they followed him out into a wilderness kind of area. And the Bible says in the presence of this vast multitude of people, the Bible says there were 5,000 men. It's quite possible that there were double that amount. The book of Matthew says that there were women and children as well, in the presence of this vast crowd of people, Jesus performs what the writer John calls a sign. A sign of what? It's another sign that God is among you. Another sign for all to see that this is the Son of God. And Jesus feeds this vast multitude of, of people, and, and, and all he, he does it with just five loaves of bread and two fish. And he didn't keep it a secret. It wasn't a secret. Everyone knew what was going on. In, 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 in fact, in verse 14 of John chapter 6, let's read it together, it says in Uh, then those men, meaning the men who had been fed, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. They all knew what had just happened. They knew no one had any food. They knew that there were just a few loaves and that everyone had been fed. And if there was 12 basketfuls at the end, they knew. And they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, thousands of years before, Moses had told the people of Israel that God would raise up a prophet and he, God, would put... His words, God's words, in the prophet's mouth. And so the multitude in in John chapter 6 says, well, this is him. This is him, the, the one Moses talked about. Who other than the prophet would be able to do this, what we're seeing right now? And you might think Jesus would be happy about this. You might think he'd be happy That he would welcome this response? No. It says he does not welcome it. In verse 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed, he left, he got out of there. And he went to the mountaintop to be by himself alone, it says. They wanted to make him king, and he doesn't let them. Now, we've seen this type of thing um, happen already in the book of John. In John chapter 2, verse 23, it says this at the end of John chapter 2. It says, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. So what does he do next? Verse 16. Let's read it together. It says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. And then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing.
The book of Matthew says out in the middle of the sea, the wind was against them and the boat was being just tossed about by the waves. The book of Mark says that Jesus, from where he was up on the mountain, he looked at them as they battled the waves or battling the waves. So here's what's really interesting about this. As I mentioned last week, this particular miracle is one of only two miracles that's mentioned in all four Gospels. In the book of Matthew, it says Jesus made him get in that boat. Do we have that? Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He made them get into the boat. Another translation Darby translation, Jesus compelled, really the word is forced. If you look up that word in the Greek, it's forced. Jesus forced them into the boat. He forced the disciples to go on board the boat. So Jesus sends them out. He forces them out into what? Into a big, bad, scary trial, an affliction, an affliction, something that would just like fingernails on their nerves. You know what this is like? It's scraping their nerves, waves crashing over the side of the boat. He pushes them out there. He pushes you. He pushes you out into trials like this. He, he puts you in. People like to say, well, God allows this, God allows that. Most of the time, he doesn't allow it. He does it. He pushes you into them. We're not into trials. We're not into that stuff. We're just into comfort. Into that area of our life where we're all secure and we're in full control. That's why he pushes us into trials. He pushes us into storms. Why does he do that? Well, let's see. Verse 19. So when they had rowed about three or four miles... Anyone here ever row three or four miles? Any crew people here? Scullers, what do they call them? It's a little different than driving three or four miles, rowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. They willingly received him into the boat. Now, in this chapter, John chapter 6, in the verses we read before these verses uh, about the disciples getting into the boat, what did we read about? Well, we read about bread. We read about fish and bread, but more than anything, we read about bread. Bread was front and center. Verse 12 of John chapter 6 says, so when they were filled, when who was filled? This vast multitude of 5,000 plus men and women and children. When they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten bread what it was about. Before this story about the boat. Now stay with me here. Now, after the verses about the disciples getting into the boat, what do you think it's going to be about? A little louder. Bread. That's right. Bread. And guess what? This is one long chapter. This is one of the longest chapters in the Bible. 
71 verses. And it's called, it's, the whole thing is about bread. We're going to be, read about bread again and, and again and again and again. What about bread? We, uh, verse 35 of John chapter 6. Verse 35, what about bread? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What about bread? That Jesus is the bread. In verse 32, a couple few verses before, it says that Jesus says to them, Moses gave you bread, but he did not give you bread from heaven. Came from the sky, but it wasn't from heaven where God dwells. My father, however, gives you true bread from heaven. He gives you me. Verse 33 says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 41. So the Jews complained about him because he had said, What? I am the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Verse 54, whoever eats of my flesh. You know, what, what does he mean by that? He had just said, my flesh is the bread. Whoever eats of my flesh, verse 54 says, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then finally, verse 58 says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. 71 verses in this chapter. Almost all about bread, except for six verses crammed in the middle. Actually, not really in the middle, more towards the beginning of the chapter. And, and, and they're crammed in there. Why? Why not just have all 71 verses about bread? Why cram these six verses in about wind, waves, and water? Why? Well, he does it to, 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 to reinforce, meaning to make obvious in the biggest, loudest, most obvious way what he's trying to say about the bread. And he's doing it Six verses in the middle of 71, this winds, wave, and water, in order to answer the question, why in the world does Jesus put me into the middle of a storm? Why does he push me into the middle of a big bag, scary, very uncomfortable uh, affliction? And it's like he, he, God himself, has his nails and he's just scratching my nerves and it's not getting any better. Why does he do He And he pushed me in this. He pushed me in it. Why? Why does he do that? Well, that's why he puts in this six verses right in the middle about the wind, waves, and, and, and the water because he wants to show them something. Uh, and, and guess what? We have a really hard time just reading the word or hearing the word and believing it. We have a hard time in that way. We're knuckleheaded. We need a trial to... Slam our head up, up against that knucklehead to knock sense into us. And that's why he puts this really intense story about being in the winds and being in the waves. And wind is wind's a really scary thing. I, I, I grew up on boats in, in the ocean and and the interesting thing about being out in the middle of the ocean, 
you can be out in the middle of a bay or the water or something, and man, it, I, I remember being out one time, and, and uh, there's no wind, but there were torrential downpours, and I was, in a, I was in a sailboat, it was anchored at the time, and there was just lightning all around, and it was just coming down, just buckets of water. There's really no danger. This water just hits the boat and goes off. But man, when, when there's waves, I've been in, in those two, really big waves. Those waves can kill you. Just like hunger can. Beginning of the chapter is about hunger. And we read something about waves. Waves can kill you. And, 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 and he does this He wants to show them something. He wants to show them something. So he does it. He, 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 he pushes them out into this storm. There's these huge waves. He, he walks over these waves, and, and he, he's received into the boat. And then down in verse 26, what does he say? He says, Most assuredly, I say to you. Now, he's talking to his disciples and all the people who had followed him. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you. You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. The disciples had done the same thing, had the same thing as them. So do you, so do I. We follow Jesus around because we like full bellies. We don't like empty bellies. We like full bellies. And we had that all in us. These disciples, all these cr- the whole crowd had it in them. Everyone's falling around because they want to fill their bellies. But Jesus, what he's saying is, that's not why I came into the world. I did not leave the glory of heaven and come into the world to give you bread. Supremely. Why would Jesus have to come into the world to give us bread? He could do that well enough from heaven. What did he teach us in the, in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, give us our daily bread. God doesn't need to become a man and come to earth to give us bread. He does that from heaven. Jesus is saying, don't seek me for that bread to to fill your hungry bellies. That's not why I came to earth. Seek me for me. And he knows that's in his disciples' hearts, so he pushes them out into the storm where they are soon getting battered by the waves. He pushes them out into a situation where that bread that they eat with their mouth, that's not going to do them any good at all. Man, when you, when you have waves pounding over the side of the, uh, of the bed, and, and I've actually, I've been in boats where this is happening, and my brothers and I pumping water out of the doing the last thing on your mind is bread or any kind of food. And he, so he puts them out there. He puts them out there and, and, and in this place where they're, all of a sudden they realize eh, bread ain't going to do me any good uh, right now. And, 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 but what they do really need is, is, is Jesus himself. And a man, he shows them and he walks right over the waves and gets right in the boat. Now they know. Now they know what they need most. They need the guy who walks right over the waves and gets into their boat. He's saying to them, listen guys, I know what you were doing back there on the shore. You were joining the crowd. And that's what you do every week. That's what I do every week. We join the crowd. We do. We treat God like a bellhop. Filling our bellies. And God pushes us into trials. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is this. God does care. He really does. Whether your belly is full or not. 
Even if it's just a few hours, he cares about those things. He is your father. He loves you. But he cares so much more. And Jesus here is caring so much more about those full bellies. He's caring so much more where they're going to be for the next 10,000 years, the next 10 million years, the next 10 billion years. You fill in the number. He wasn't interested in what's going on with them in the here and now, whatever noise is coming from their belly. No, no, he, 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 he's thinking about forever and ever and ever and ever. Are these people, where are these people going to be? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be with me? Or are you, are you going to be separated from me? I am here, Jesus is saying, because mankind, from the least to the greatest, has rejected God, and because of that is under the judgment of God, and loaves and bread are not going to do anything to save you from that. That's why I'm here. That's the message. And so words are not enough to, for God to communicate this truth to us. Words are not enough, sadly, tragically. We're fallen human beings and God pushes us into a storm. And some of you are in that storm today. So he forces these guys into the boat. He pushes them out into the middle of the sea. The winds pick up. So do the waves, big waves, wild waves. And there's a battle against the waves. And they're getting nowhere. Jesus walks right over the waves and they receive him into the boat. So they get off the boat. And Jesus... To again reinforce what had just happened and to make it really clear to them, says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. You get it now, guys? You get it now? I am the bread of life. You don't need those, lo- those loaves. You don't, need, you don't need those loaves. I know they came from my hand. Don't worship the created thing, worship me. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. That's why he pushes people out into storms, because they don't believe. And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. That's a pretty good deal. The one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now underline this verse. Whenever you're unsure about where you're going to be, After you die, underline verse 39 and read this verse. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up on the last day. I think that's pretty clear. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. He's talking here to believers and he's talking here to unbelievers. Which I think is who I'm talking to this morning. Believers and unbelievers. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, For God, for he, God, Jesus, Do we have this one, Sean? There we go. For God made him, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, for he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, heaven is such a perfect, beautiful, wonderful place there's not a single sin in there 
There's not even the remnant, the residue of a single sin. That's how holy God is. So if you think you're good, you've blown it by one sin. That's, that's, that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what this verse teaches. It's teaching that we need a righteousness, we need a goodness, we need a purity that's not of ourselves. Because no matter how good we try to be, we're not good enough to get into heaven on our own goodness, and we're not good to enter into even a relationship with God, any kind of relationship with God, with even one sin. That's how good God is. That's how beautiful, and by the way, that's a beautiful picture. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for, for, for God made him Jesus, this one who was received into that boat, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now let me just share some, some thoughts with you this morning. Don't think I've lost my way. I haven't quite lost my way yet, but I read the other day that Today, compared to 30 years ago, we receive every day like five times as much information in one day as we did 30 years ago. And the reason, of course, is the internet. And to me, one of the most fascinating phenomena in, in, in the internet, and the reason society is getting so incredibly polarized, just there's no middle ground. It's just there's the right and the left. They hate each other. And it's just the hate's getting greater and greater and greater. It, 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 the media's just fueling it. And I hope you're not on the right or the left. God help you if you are. I hope you're Jesus. I hope that's what you are. But, but the thing that is fascinating to me is this spectacular phenomena when someone says something in public particularly if they're a public figure or even if they're not they can just be some poor first grade teacher teaching in an elementary school in Kansas and they can say something that looks could possibly be offensive and all of a sudden you have hundreds of thousands of tweets and blogs and, 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 and Facebook posts and, and look at what this person says and can you imagine this? It's just this unbelievable phenomena. Just flesh piling how quickly that happened. I remember when I was a in Dover, Massachusetts, I used to get flesh piled every once in a while by a bunch of kids and I mean, it took them a little while to do that. I mean, right now it's just a split second. And the flesh pile can increase by 10,000 times. Do you know why there's so much activity of people jumping all over everybody else for the least offensive thing? You ever thought of why? The answer's right here in the Bible. It's because people are desperate to justify themselves in their own mind that they're righteous Man, if I can just get a tweet out that this, uh, this, this remark this person made was racially insensitive or was insensitive to a woman or was insensitive to uh, a, an Indian person or a Chinese person or a white male, and I can get all kinds of other people saying, like, 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 ooh, I'll feel real good about myself. People are so thirsty to create a righteousness apart from God. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. About our obsession to get, to get God out because man, he's, I want to be accountable to, 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 to God and, 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 but I know I got to be righteous. I can feel this thing so I'm going to establish my own righteousness. But there's just no such thing apart from God. Sean, can we get that verse again? It is just so clear. 
that we need Jesus in the boat. We need him in the boat. And he, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or have everlasting life. And he sent Jesus into the world and, and he, 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 he made the lame walk. He, he made the, the deaf hear. He, he made the, uh, the dumb speak. People don't listen to him. They don't receive him. So he pushes them out into a boat right into the middle of a storm, walks right over the waves and gets into the boat to make his point. So He so loves us. That's what he's willing to do to show us that there's only one righteousness. There's only one who is good. There's only one who is pure. There's only one who can get us into heaven. There's only one who can connect us to God. It's him. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We need those, we need these trials just to remind us that man, I need God so much more than just to get my belly full. I need Jesus for everything. And, and, and so you, you need Jesus to, to be saved. Sean, can we have the, the, I think it's the last verse, the second to the last verse, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. We, we, we need Jesus to be saved. It says Jesus deliver us from the wrath to come. The Bible says there's judgment coming. It's God's judgment. It's a righteous judgment. It's a judgment, believe it or not, we should be happy about. It says Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. But, but, but once, once we receive Jesus into the boat, and guess what? That's all you have to do. <laughs> You're willing, all, you have to do all you have to do is say, I, I am tired of, of rowing here furiously against life. I'm giving up. Come into my life, Jesus. Now, now th- th- that's hard to do for, for many. It was hard to do for me for many years because I wanted to do the rowing myself and I wanted to just control life myself. I wanted to be in complete control. And sometimes to give up that control and say, Jesus, come to the boat. Counting the cost, it's a hard thing. But it doesn't cost anything because Jesus paid the full cost himself on the cross. And the Bible says he was buried, rose after three days, it, it ascended into heaven, now pours out that gift to you, which you can receive by faith. But once you receive him by faith, it, you still daily need to seek the Lord. The Bible says, ask and the door will be open. Seek and you will find, knock, right, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock and the door shall be open unto you. And, and, and that's a daily thing. In fact, the, the Greek actually says, Asking and you will receive, seeking and you will find, knocking and the door will be open. It's a daily thing. But, but you know something? I, just, I want to share this with you because all this stuff about bread in this chapter. I fast. I fast from time to time. I don't think I fasted. What do I mean by fast? I, I, I deliberately choose not to, to, to go without food for a day and sometimes more. I, I don't think I did that until maybe year, I don't know, 10 of walking with God. And I don't like to fast. <laughs> I like lobster. I, I, I like... Chicken wings. I, I like scallops and raw oysters. I like shrimp. I grew up on the ocean. I'm into seafood. I, I'm, I, I like to eat. <laughs> and, so does, and so does he or she. <laughs> but I've, I've noticed something that Sometimes I deliberately need to just do without food in order to fully appreciate how much I need God. 
the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, God says that he, uh, that he deliberately made the children of Israel hungry so that they would understand that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Job says this. Do we have this verse? Sean's a superstar this morning. Job chapter 23, verse 12 says, I have treasured the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food. Sometimes you just... And look, fasting is voluntary. There's no requirement. But sometimes, you know, you gotta, you got to do without food, your necessary food. That means your daily food, the food that you need for a day to, to, to do what you need to do. Sometimes you need to go to... to to keep away from the food or, or to do, you know, to, to not have food or abstain from it in, so that you can treasure the words of God's mouth. Now, lately, I've, I have been fasting once a week because, man, I, 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 we are going to be going to two services in July. We have to find a place to meet midweek in one of the most expensive cities in the United States of America. And I'm like, how, God, how are we going to do this? Give up your food, Steve, and seek me. So I've, I've been doing that. But, 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 and, and it's a healthy thing. And I can remember the first time that I fasted, I was like, man, I can't believe I've never done this. If you've never gone a day without food, and just sought the Lord that day. I'm not talking about dieting, okay? Not eating and not praying, that's dieting. That's, you know, that's not fasting. Fasting is seeking the Lord when you don't eat. And and I recommend it. Because sometimes we, uh, from time to time, we need to do without our food in order to understand that, wow, I treasure your words, oh God, more than my necessary food. And I believe that this kind of seeking God actually keeps us out of storms. Now, I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor of a church, so there's storms all all the time in my book that I'm in the middle of. But let me tell you, they would be so much worse if I wasn't seeking the Lord every single day. Job says, I have treasured the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food. So a whole chapter about bread. And we're going to be uh, reading more about bread for, for the next two or three weeks because we're going to be in this chapter for a few weeks. But uh, I'm going to call the worship team up now and we're just going to have a time of prayer. We're going to end the time in a worship song and, and I just want us all just to, 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 to rise and to worship Him, acknowledging in your heart that man, woman, you need Him more than you need your necessary food. And, and brothers and sisters, I promise you that's the case. You need Him more than that teriyaki Rice and teriyaki at the Japanese restaurant after the service in the food court. You need him much more than that. So let's, let's rise and let's just acknowledge this teaching and let's springboard off of this teaching and let's just worship the Lord. No need for, a, for prayer couples today. If you need prayer, please grab someone after the service. But I just want just to worship now and worship the Lord and tell them just in our hearts and with these words, Lord, we need you. We need you more than our food. We need you more than our water. We need you more than our clothes. We need you, Lord. Let me close in prayer and let's worship. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we can, that you have actually, that you've brought us to the place Lord, or you're drawing us to the place 
But we understand that we need you more than our food, more than our necessary food. We need you, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we close out this service, that you would pour out your spirit, we ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So that if there's anyone in here who has never received you, your son, into the boat, that they would receive him now. They receive him into there. They'd open up their heart and say, come in. And that would happen. And that, Lord, the, everyone else here would leave here with just a greater sense of dependence upon you, Lord. A, 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 greater, a greater joy that you are walking, you walk over waves for them. You do. A joy, a happiness, a worship, a, a, a peace, a contentment. That that's what you love to do. You love to walk over the storm and be there. I pray, Father, fill, this, fill every man, woman here by, with the Holy Spirit that they would declare with the writer of the Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's and his desire, God's desire, Jesus' desires for me. Lord, that I just pray, Lord, that that truth would, would settle into everyone's heart. Truly, it's so, Lord, that we need your love so much more than we need anything else. We need you, Lord. And Lord, we want to respond even as we receive your love. We want to respond by loving you back and worshiping you, which we do now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.